doing uh, recording is what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, the meeting is now being live streamed. I can see that. Okay, October 10th. Uh, everything seems to be fine. Um, Fred and I already broke down how much food we ate. Uh, but we did that before you signed on to the uh, meeting there, Dan Duran. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I... Um, I don't know where we commiserating or... I don't know if that's the right word. We were comparing notes about how much extra food people seem to be able to tolerate just because it's Thanksgiving. How much extra... How many sides were on the table last night at both of our respective uh, dinners? Yeah, but as I said to you, Delise reeled it in a bit this year. We had uh, regular potatoes, sweet potato, beans, uh, squash, <laughs> carrots. Yeah, that's reeling it in. Well, and turkey, right? Right? Turkey, too. Yes, and of course, yeah. the turkey. Yeah. So we had the turkey, Brussels sprouts, mm. two types of salads. Potatoes with uh, other vegetables chopped up and baked, really, really nice. Quinoa, ha. you know that's a lot of sides. And, and then uh, you know, it was one of those things where you know, they're, they're, when you're passing the dishes around and your plate keeps fi- piling up. At some point, I was thinking, should I ask for a separate plate for some of these sides? Yeah, I don't understand it. I didn't think I overate, but I was in pain afterwards. And that was another encouraging thing. Because I remember I said that to our buddy Darren once. I said, when I eat too much, I get a pain in my shoulder. And he goes, what? That doesn't make sense. I said, well, I don't know what to say to you, but I do. How do you get a pain in your shoulder from eating? Does in it in your sense? collarbone. I, I, you've said that to me, and I totally agree with it. No, and I get it. And I had it last night. I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm thinking... You know, I've sat down to a feed of my mother-in-law's chicken curry, and I think I've eaten more, but I don't feel this. Is it the mashed potatoes and the fluffiness and the density of the turkey? I don't know. But it's like, oh, it was it was painful. I did. It was an uncomfortable evening for me. Yeah, that's how you know your, your body's telling you you've eaten too much when you start to get a <laughs> pain in your collarbone. Dan, where were you for uh, all the big turkey eating and such? I was, uh, I was at Lisa's. Uh, family's place where there's mm. 25 people wow 25. which i knew about yeah i knew about uh seven or eight of them including lisa and the rest oh. were all strangers to me oh you know at one point there's a guy who i knew was a cinematographer i kind of heard through the grapevine and he had mm-hmm. actually worked with linda cash my uh you know mm-hmm. ex uh, radio partner when mm-hmm. i was doing radio and peter over here and the um um philadelphia cream cheese lady Right, yeah, she's a very close friend. Anyway, they, they were, I knew that they'd worked together. But anyway, so I really, I, I had never, well, he walked in the kitchen. They were looking for somebody to, to carve the turkey. And uh, oh, Christ, he said, well, they I didn't let you do it. <laughs> he said, well, <laughs> said, hey, well, well, you know, we'll get Colin. Get Colin in here. Get Colin. And, and then he says, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've carved a thousand of them. And, uh, you know, my, the, per, pretty much the first words of my mouth at this, you know, with lots of strangers there is going, oh, well, that's taking exaggeration to the next level. And <laughs> well, that's what you said? said? That's what I said. Yeah, you were doing one. Said, no, no, literally, I have carved over a thousand turkeys. Really? I used to work at a butcher shop. Oh. So like, oh. Okay. So you started off uh, on a great, you started the Howard Glassman playbook. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and where you start off by souring the room. Souring the room, yeah. And imagine nice. this, Howard, the way, you know, Dan shows up and Lisa gets to parade this handsome man. 
<clears throat> around the room. Like, oh, look at Lisa's boyfriend. Oh, my goodness. Look at he? Look at Lisa. Handsome man. Look at that. Because often middle-aged women have to compromise with second and third mates, right? Oh, yeah. They're looking, they're looking for love, so they end up with some dumpy guy. That, but, Dan, here's... <laughs> Here's Dan. It's like, wow, look at this prize. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? So was that, was there quite a hubbub about you around the room? People were just murmuring like, what is that? <laughs> We've never seen one of those up close. And is that a, is that a, is that a, is that a, is that a turkey neck in his pants? Murmuring. Now there was no murmuring that I picked up I bet on. you there was, was murmuring. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes murmuring. But uh-huh. you know what? I, it came around. I started talking to, to his name is Colin Evans. He's a uh-huh. cinematographer of note. He's worked on Love It Listed and a bunch of other This was things. after the insult. This was after. And, okay. and we sat down and we, you know, got to know each other a little bit better. And I actually, he was talking about podcasts and and I recommended that he listen to this one. So he said he would for the first time today. So Chris, Chris Evans, so if you are managing to put this on your podcast. Yeah. Well, and Chris Evans, welcome. if you are listening, Dan's not usually that insulting to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really didn't mean anything by it. But anyway. All right. How was the meal? Poor Dan, he wanted to step outside with sort of like an irreverent shot, and it went south. That's too bad. <laughs> That's right. Um, how was the food? Because when da- they land, it's great. Oh, yeah. And ask, <laughs> just ask us. How was the food for 25 people? How many? How big was the turkey? It was a big, huge turkey that Lisa was in charge of. And uh, oh. so she had brined it the day before, and then uh, it was in the oven. The how many pounds do mommy asking? Or is that... Uh, I said the secret. I have no idea. A lot of pounds. There's a lot of pounds. It was a fresh turkey from your from your Costco. Brand new. Nice. You know what? Um uh, we well, Doll actually made a mistake yesterday and she put the turkey in upside down. It was bizarre. And I didn't realize it till I wanted to start taking the temperature of it to see when it was done. She put it it was fine. Like everything mm-hmm. was fine. It sure. tasted fine, but I'm trying to I'm trying to take the temperature, and I'm thinking, this just doesn't... Where I usually stick it in, it all seems weird to me. And then I noticed, I said, this... She put breast down. It's oh. weird. Mm-hmm. So how did you... Uh, how did you get the temperature then? Well, you we had to flip it over. Oh, you did? Uh, they mm. did a mid-cook a mid, uh, uh, oh, flipper. Yeah, mm. but you know what happened. Then the breast and everything didn't have the nice brown and crispiness that it should have. It was oh. on the on, underside. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Oh, you know, well, you know what? that's I the I, biggest problem yeah, I have. I'm just going to say, I don't know if that story's as good as Dan meeting a guy and then telling him that he didn't fucking carve turkeys, but it's, it's a good one. <laughs> no, um, you didn't. No, you don't. That, that's taking, I love that, Dan. That's, of course, it's Dan Durant going, that's taking, well, I think that's taking exaggeration to a different level. No, Dan, I've actually. Imagine what that guy thought at that moment. <laughs> Who the fuck is this? That's <laughs> right. He's like, who's this good looking man to tell me how many turkeys? I've carved. <laughs> oh, I heard he's man. a nice guy. I hear, yeah, exactly. All I've heard about him is he's a handsome, oh, nice fellow. Wonderful. And Lisa here he is. Landed the landed it. <laughs> this handsome man. With a sarcastic with an attitude. <laughs> exactly. Who's this sarcastic prick? Um, okay, well, we got lots to get to today, so why don't we get to it, Dan Duran? 
This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a pool, and from Lisa's dining room table in Peterborough with a fall-leaf centerpiece. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now here are two men who jumped at the chance to carve the turkey this weekend as it fits perfectly with their exuberant eating lifestyle by claiming carver rights and testing all the best bits of the bird. It's Greasy Fingered Humble and Fred. I did carve the turkey last night. I, of course you did. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it's weird because I... You know, Randy and I, ex-wife Randy and I, have uh, we spent. The, it's so funny because we spent the entire weekend together. We went over dinner on uh, Sunday night, and then we had dinner at her place on uh, Monday night. But it's weird for me as a divorced man because when we get together as a family, there was ten of us last night, and we're sitting on a dining room table that I used to have in my house. Uh, um, we're sitting on chairs that I, you know, paid for and and used to be in the house I lived in, and then mm-hmm. even. The turkey carving, like I have, we, we have an electric knife. And as uh, I was getting ready to carve the turkey, I said, Randy, where's uh, the knife? And then she handed it to me. And it was weird. I'm not, I'm not, not that this that big a deal, but sort of a nostalgic feeling for me mm-hmm. because I've had that knife in my possession for years. And uh, it's just sort of weird being divorced that you sort of get to revisit some of the things that were part of your life before you. Did the music away. swell as you wrap your, <laughs> your fingers around the yeah. <laughs> electric carving knife handle? Oh, no. It was just, yeah, maybe. Maybe in somewhere inside. Somewhere inside of me, I was with a wave of nostalgia just looking around at it all. Oh, and, and plates that used to be in my house. The, the china from our marriage was there, you know. Didn't you trade the china for the dog or something? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, oh, let man. me ask you this, too. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you, you this. Out, let me ask you for this. Yes. You went out with uh, Randy the night before for dinner, and you often do this. Yep. When you were going with the GFR, did you do that? And if you did, did it bother her at all? And one step further, what would... Uh, Julietta, think about you dining with your ex-wife. Do they feel threatened? Um, what chance? What you, would you like to have me answer first? Uh, when, it's when, up to you. When it's Rachel up. and I were together, I didn't do it as much. Uh, I only. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do what I did, which is. I shouldn't say that because the reason Randy and I went out for dinner was Spencer was promoting a show and hosting a a show on Ossington, right? And so we were going to the show and just met for dinner before. If I was still dating Rachel, I wouldn't probably do that as much. But when I was dating Rachel, I went to Randy's for things like Thanksgiving and and uh, some Jewish holidays. And uh, Juliet, um, I don't think she'd care. No. No, it's just interesting because it's so unique, you and Randy, as we've stated many times, like... Usually when, you know, the two parents who are divorced, separated, whatever, go to an event for the child, they tend to go in separate doors and oh, yeah. sit at separate ends and that kind of bullshit. Dude, you know? some of the stories I've heard, mm-hmm. and maybe you guys have heard these from, like, just just like that, where they go to a family function and one of the, one of the parents refuses to, like, come oh. in the same door or has to oh. sit somewhere else. And all it does is make everyone feel awkward, and it makes yes. the kids feel shitty. Yeah, it's not fair to the kids at all. 
Like, suck it up. Grow up. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so I... But it makes Greg great, a great plot for a Hallmark movie. There's been a few Thanksgiving movies about the very thing. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you in more Hallmark movies, Dan? I do not yeah. know. Yeah. You could be the nice gentleman next door. Is that where I'm at now? What's <laughs> <laughs> better than a newscaster every time? That's true. That's right. <laughs> Dan, oh, I, I really do again. hope that before you hang up your whatever you hang up, that you get a chance to stretch it, you know, to stretch your wings, to, 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 to show the movie industry what they've been missing all yes. these years. Hallmark would be perfect. I'll, I'll call my agent and say, listen, I, uh, I, you I could really be the guy in the Hallmark really movie Hallmark, where, you yeah. you know, the, the young woman or the woman has come back to town. Maybe her husband's died and she's come back to the small town and you're there and you've maybe you run a bookstore and you guys run into each other and she's looking at a book and then, you know, mm-hmm. the, the books drop on the floor, then your eyes meet and then she, her, her eyes go from your face to your beautiful face down mm-hmm. your body to your first edition Dan Duran <laughs> clinky clanky. <laughs> so, you know, it could yeah. be a little bit of that. You should start yeah. an X-rated Hallmark movie. <laughs> You're, yeah, pushing out the Hallmark formula a little bit there. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, well I spent part of my... The town sheriff. The town sheriff. Yes, that, I like uh, that, too. Yeah, that... Uh, so yesterday, I have a little quick story for you. I spent about uh, three hours of my Thanksgiving day... Um. Let me just back up a little bit. Have you guys ever heard of a show called My Strange Addiction? Yes, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yes. No. The basic premise of it, Dan and Friedrich, are is people that are addicted to, to eating and doing weird shit. Like some of these people on the show are like they eat the foam out of uh, foam out of pillows. You know what I mean? Like they they they're, they're, they do weird. They're addicted to weird stuff. But a lot of it is That's eating funny. stuff. Well, it so it's like a re- it's a reality show, is what you're saying, right? It, it's kind of a reality show. Um, so my dog Stan has a strange addiction to things in the upstairs uh, garbage. The only thing Stan ever like, his Stan's a pretty well behaved dog. But the only thing over his lifetime is whatever's in the garbage. He likes to take it out the Kleenex sometimes and eat it, or he'll spread it all over the floor. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But yesterday. Uh, I came out, I was in a yoga class at nine o'clock at 10 o'clock. I come out and there is a bunch of notes from Spencer saying, you know, daddy, call me as soon as you're out. And there's all these pictures of garbage on the floor that stands eaten. And some of them among them are feminine napkin applicators. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you fellows know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> also known as tampons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we don't know how many he's eaten. We just know that he's eaten a bunch. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, and I have a num- by the way, I have yes, I have a number coming up for you that you won't fucking believe. So we go to the uh, emergency vet, and uh, you know, poor Stan. He seems fine, like he's all right. And then the next thing you know, he's on a table with a bunch of people, and he's got a thermometer up his ass, and he's looking at me like, really. Did, is it such a big deal? And he, but he, he wasn't in any discomfort. Mm. So they give him some medication that induces vomiting. Just pause for a second. And I thought of you yesterday, Patterson. Mm. Because, of course, they're telling me all the things that they're, they should do to the dog, including x-rays. And, they're, and they, you know, it's, they give you an itemized list of how much it's going to cost. And everything was pretty reasonable. Medication was 100. The exam was like 120. And then the x-rays 
were $450. And they seemed confused by the fact that I said, no, I don't want any x-rays. They're like, but sir, blah, blah, blah. I go, listen, we know something's in his stomach. I don't need, I don't need imaging proof of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I think a lot of people, and again, they, I understand their business, but I think a lot of people in those moments are so concerned for their pet that they just say yes to it. No, I bet they do, yeah. And, and if he'd been in discomfort or it, had been look, it looked like it was blocked or something, I would have said, fine, let's, let's look. So they give, them, uh, they give Stan the medication and we go away. We, we leave for about an hour and they say, we'll call you when he's uh, throwing everything up. So uh, we went back about an hour later and he was still throwing up these, apl- these tampons. And uh, so it was almost like, a, I don't know, like um, one of those things where like a, the, the tally kept going up. Like at first it was three. And I'm like, shit, that's a lot of fucking tampons. Then it was six. <laughs> fucking Stan. Like, it's a dispenser. <laughs> seriously. And they kept saying, dispenser. they kept saying, exactly, it was, a, it was a tampon dispenser. They kept saying, come back in 15 minutes because he was still throwing them up. And his final number was eight tampons. Wow. Do you not flush those? I thought no, you, you, you don't. You put them in the garbage. Them, so. No, you don't, no, actually. It's a good idea not to, actually. So that's why I thought about that, my strange addiction. It's like I could just yeah. see Stan on the show going, yeah, listen, it's the strangest thing. I, I, I can't help myself. I just can't. Talk, s- talk about Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look at Stan. is just mowing through tampons. And he was fine, you know, the whole what, day he was fine. What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> I'm a good boy. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you get your 400 bucks back? Or do you have to pay for it? I'm, I'm sorry. No, he he, he I, stopped them before they took them. That was the oh, point I of that. They did take them. Oh, okay. No, I I, I, the point was I, they they wanted to do a four hundred and fifty dollar X ray, right, and I said okay. unnecessary. Right. Well, you know that whole industry is built around heartstring pulling. You know, I, of course. Uh, no, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then they give him some medication to have him stop throwing up. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's just it's so weird, dogs. It was just fine for the rest of the day. It was just, you know, a little tired, a little uh, logy from all the excitement, but uh, he was fine. But he probably would have passed those all right, too, wouldn't he? There wouldn't be. The problem with them is, and I did a little research, is that, you know, it's different. They're actually, it's better that, I, I get on, it's better that they've already been used because they've been expanded, but they expand, they keep expanding in their stomachs. And do they not have strings attached as well? Or are those the, the old ones? Uh, I didn't really get into too much detail about that. Um, well, didn't you, oh, you didn't see any of the... Uh, no. Okay. No, I didn't. I thought you were standing there counting. <laughs> no, that's one. No, no, no that's I one. wasn't. No, they, no I don't think were. that's one. Oh, yeah, that's one. That's, <laughs> that's just some Kleenex. <laughs> but yeah, eight. That's a lot. It's a lot of tampons, Stan. Anyway. Well, hey, you know, dogs, you never know. I know when uh, Dougie had his back problems there in June, boy, that bill went up quick, too. Same oh, I thing. bet. And poor Danny. Well, poor Danny. But he, you know, it was a spinal thing, so he wanted a picture. So he had to go through all that and pay for the pictures. You know, when we first got Stan, lady friend and I, uh, for the first uh, couple of years, I had pet insurance. I had never done mm-hmm. it before, but she wanted it. And 
And I think for some people with certain breeds, it's not a bad idea. Dan's got it. Yeah. yeah Again, there's one. Yeah. What's that, Daniel? I had a shitty one. Oh, you meant Danny uh, Patterson? Yeah, my Dan's got oh, yeah, one because yeah. he's got a French bulldog, so it's a good idea. Yeah, it's cheap, like, but. it's not cheap, and I, and, mm-hmm. but I never used it. It, it never, it, that's why I just canceled it because after two years of paying whatever it was, 30 bucks a month, it just didn't seem to need it anymore. And, and even yesterday's bill, I'll tell you what it was. It was under 400 bucks. It was like 350 or something, including, and you know, that includes the examination and all the medication. You know, mm-hmm. the, the x-ray would have pushed it closer to eight, which I was not prepared to do. But in, in Dougie's case, that's Dan's, Fred's son's, Dan's dog, not Dan Duran. Th- that breed, you know, and, and with something with their spines, of course you're going to get x-rays. Mm-hmm. You know, and Dan Duran, yeah. uh, you paid a lot of dough for Clifford at the end because you're just trying everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, trying everything, and yeah, I went beyond the... Because uh, my plan didn't cover more than $1,500 in a year, so... It went beyond that pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. My All right. It's not the best of plans. You be careful. Be cautious if you're if you're looking for a plan. Well, the, you know, and that whole industry in itself doesn't have the best reputation. Like a lot of insurances now, it's like deny and work backwards, right? Mm-hmm. So. Well, there you go, fellas. That's uh, pretty much uh, you know. That's sort of the. Uh, the regular stuff that's Thanksgiving and a funny story about the dog and Dan Duran's wiener and Dan Duran and, and Fred uh, does, didn't give thanks. And uh, and Larry, by the way, Larry Fedorik's going to be our guest. Uh, are you going to come back and do some news later, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to be looking for some good news out there. Yeah, do your best. Uh, it's not easy. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of news this past weekend. Yeah, we're going to get to some of it, too, here. Um but thank you for your participation, Dandere. Absolutely. See you in a bit. See you in a bit. Um, before we get into uh, some of the the more serious aspects of the news, uh, let's talk about these fine people that support us. Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca today. Get a free quote. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, this whole. Well, the chamber plan is built around uh, the aspect of small business being able to afford benefits package for their employees. Small businesses, say two to a hundred people. Yeah, they can do it for you. You'll, uh, as I say, be pleasantly surprised. You get your free quote. You'll find out uh, there's different levels that you can buy into. Uh, you choose the one that uh, fits uh, dental and uh, prescriptions and therapies and an HR component, mental health component now. Uh, very progressive, cutting edge actually is what I will call uh, the chamber plan. Uh, they've been around for like 40 years, a lot of thousands of Canadian businesses part of it. It works for everyone. Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. Here's a little uh, ditty we're playing. It's a Ramones cover by our friend uh, Bernard Fraser and his band Church of Trees called Pet Cemetery. Pretty cool version of it, actually. And Bernard and the uh, band has uh, released their latest uh, record. And uh, if you're a fan of this band, as we are, go check them out. Hey, congratulations and way to go. Um, I should have had this in front of me. It's the, uh, the winner of our Rent Electric. Hang on a second. Just have a listen to this while I find it. 
Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but we gave away the um, Rent Electric uh, weekend rental uh, before we uh, broke for the... uh... Oh, here it is. Dave Ryan. Thank you. Dave Ryan is our winner. And uh, and what we did is we passed on everyone's uh, contact information. So I think the company is going to give you a break on renting electric. Rentelectric.ca is where you find out more about it. And uh, if you want to uh, rent your own EV for a day, for a weekend, for a week, use the voucher Humble EV for $40 off your first rental and give them a call at 1-800-387-9391 or go to rentelectric.ca. Um, before we get to uh, Israel, uh, I did think because we're gonna. I think Larry wants to uh, talk a little bit about it, of course, and uh, send me a note saying, uh, given that all the things that are going on in the world, so we can save some of it for him. But before we get to it, I did want to say, you know, there's this podcast you've heard about it with all the talk show hosts, Strike yes. Force Five, mm-hmm. and uh, I hadn't listened to any of it. They've they've they did a commitment for 13 episodes. They were basically giving all the money to their writers. During the writer's strike, which has now ended. Mm-hmm. Have you heard any of it? No. You know what? It's really good. Good. And the uh, reason I, I mention it is, I think episode 11 is what I listened to. I listened to the whole thing. It's like 50, 65 minutes. And it's them talking to Letterman. And, and you'd love it. And it's, you know, given that there's five of them, and what they do is they take turns hosting the show. So there's mm-hmm. Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon. By the way, Jimmy Fallon surprised me. He was very funny on it. Oh, so, was he? Yes, very, you know, because he is a funny guy. Not like his persona on The Tonight Show. So it was Fallon, Kimmel, uh, Colbert, John Oliver, who's really funny, and Seth, Rog- uh, Seth uh, Myers. Yes. And just the conversation with Letterman about, just how much they revere him and their memories of going on his show. And, and the thing about Letterman at 75, he's still really sharp. I know mm-hmm. 75 isn't old, mm-hmm. but uh, 76 is. <laughs> <laughs> he's really sharp and so smart and, and still at this age, after all these years, still defers to how he thinks his show was shitty. Mm-hmm. And he loves Johnny. He talks about Johnny like right. they talk about him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I was very impressed with the fact that there was five of them, and they were they really shared it really equal, very... It was really equitable. It was really cool how they did it. On YouTube, uh, over the weekend, I happened upon a clip from Letterman's daytime talk show. Mm. Remember? Yeah, they talked about it. Yeah, he was not... He was not... He didn't appear to be very comfortable. He hated it. It lasted six yeah. weeks. Yeah. yeah. And he was interviewing. I, what's the guy's name? The brilliant guy? A sim, uh, Carl Sagan? A, no, a Sinemov or whatever. That guy. Oh, um, uh, Isaac Asimov. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Isaac Asimov. And it just wasn't very. And I can tell when he came back from a break, he didn't. He just. He just picked up. He had just written a book. Isaac Asimov, Asimov had, yeah. And he just like he just picked up the book. He didn't show it or anything. He just looked really uncomfortable. Well, now that you now that you've seen that, because they yeah. talk quite a bit about the the failings of that morning show mm-hmm. and how the weekend 
You'll love this story. The weekend before it started, on the Friday, his producer quit. Because <laughs> he oh, was geez. like, the producer was like, I'm getting off this sinking ship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, uh, and, and then they talked about how he had a year and a half between the failure of that and the beginning of Late Night. Mm-hmm. And uh, where he thought, you know, well, that's it. I'm going to go back to the comedy store. And then this was my one shot. And, but uh, you'll love it. So uh, check it out. It's called Strike Force 5, everybody. And apparently, and I'm going to go back and listen, apparently Jon Stewart shows up a couple times. You know, in retrospect, you know, you, like what were they thinking? But Dave didn't hadn't fully established who he who he was and what he was all about. Like, really, what were they thinking? Let's take this guy and put him on in the morning. Easy to say now. At the time, somebody thought it was a good idea, and that somebody was Fred Silverman. Mm-hmm. Fred Silverman's thought, you know, he's so good filling in for Johnny. I know. What we'll do is we'll put him on at nine o'clock in the morning, like a Regis and Kelly thing for 90 minutes. And what they and and the affiliates hated it because those three half hour blocks had been highly rated game shows. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I I always wondered this, too. Well, after he lost that show, who was the one at NBC that sort of saved him and, and created this whole other franchise because up till that point late night didn't exist it was just carson and then it was over it was brandon Tart- it, brandon Tartico. Oh, was it yeah. oh i was gonna say wouldn't johnny have played a part in that too because he had appeared on the tonight show by then well johnny was a huge yeah. advocate for dave yeah. but and, I, and i'm sure johnny had to sign off on the fact that this guy was going <laughs> to follow him mm-hmm. because there was no show at twelve thirty until letterman invented nope. it no. Um, anyway, that's, I just wanted to get that out of the way before I forgot it. So what do you want to do um, in terms of uh, the Humble and Fred coverage of this unprecedented attack on the state of Israel? Because I'm curious what you, I know you, you've read up stuff on the weekends. I have as well. But I'm curious to hear from you first before I, as a Jewish man, uh, explain what I think of it. Well, again, I had to watch myself on the weekend because I was sitting with my mother-in-law. And again, I go off on, you know, imagine there's no religion. We wouldn't be sitting here watching this right now. And and again, that's what it comes back to with me. And again, I'm somewhat of a simpleton when it comes to, you know, the guts of that problem. But, you know, when people want to eliminate the, you know, the state of Israel and jewish people um you know a lot of it's based on religion and the same old thing that you and i rail against all the time it's isn't religious lovely isn't religion lovely so i mean that's where i start and then you get into the meat of it and then you wonder okay if you're so religious and you you know there the ali akbar god is great well you're raping a woman like i'm sorry that's a big disconnect for me uh so that's basically it. I'm disgusted by it all and disgusted by the behavior of some people here in Toronto specific, you know, actually celebrating the fact of what Hamas did because they're so entrenched in the plight of the Palestinian people. So it's just all so broken to me. I, well, I told you before yeah. the show started, I, and I, I I brought that up to you then. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, at the very basics, base of all of this is religion, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
and a lot of the hatred and a lot of the I don't know how to say this. Like a lot of it is, you know, it gives anti-Semitism is already the leading. You know, we're already putting up mm-hmm. Hall of Fame numbers in terms of hate crimes around the world. And, and there's such a tiny, you know, there's only 15 million Jews on planet Earth. And yet in, in, in most jurisdictions around the planet, the hatred for Jewish people, you know, it, it, where do, you have to ask them, why is that? It's all based on religion. It's not because we're this or that or we're cheap or we, you know, we control the media whatever that whatever those tropes are. It all starts and it starts with religion. It's thousands of years of embedded hatred for a certain people because of this flimsy book. <laughs> that's some that's why and I got in I get in trouble. I got in trouble a few times this weekend having the same discussion with different people. You know, and you know the creation of Israel obviously enhanced it. It's you're hated to begin with, and now you're, you know, given a homeland. And I, I, again, it's just so multi-layered. Um, but again, the very basis is hatred through religion. So, and it's tedious. Well, and here's what I thought. Mm-hmm. You know that, like, let's just talk about some numbers. Mm-hmm. So this, it's coming close to a thousand Israelis. And yes, I know that there has been some casualties. Hundreds of people within him, within Gaza have been killed as part of the retaliation. As, as part of the retaliation. So, mm-hmm. But I just want to say, for the population of Israel, which is just under 10 million people, for nearly 1,000 people to be killed would be similar to 30,000 people dying on 9-11, not 3,000. Mm-hmm. In terms of a comparable. So... What, what, what boggled my mind and still does is these people in Toronto and Montreal and Ottawa. And I just want to pause and say, I get, and I'm not naive and stupid, I get that there's an argument to have, a, a conversation to have about being pro-Palestinian. I get that. And that the Israeli government doesn't represent all Jewish people all over the world. It often gets conflated. And, it, and there is a conversation to be had. I had one with uh, one of my children. That not everything is as it seems. And that Israel is not without fault. The same way that on 9-11, people were having conversations around why does everyone hate the U.S. the way they do in the Middle East? America's not without fault in some of their policies that led that have led to the hatred for their country. But what bothered me, do you agree with me by the way? Absolutely. What bothers me and is still is I can't get my head around is these people celebrating the rape and kidnapping and death of just these weren't military people. These weren't and this wasn't a war of of, of of people in the military being killed. These were just random people, excuse me, that were taken from their homes, raped, paraded around Gaza. Like it, it's not it's not as I said to this person, I was having this discussion. It's hard to be righteous, to have a righteous point when you're doing that. And that was, you know, that was part of the reason that I, I wanted to have this conversation. What I, what I was going to say is, I'm no, I don't want to have the, I don't want to have the argument or the discussion about how bad Israel is that, that led to this. 
in, in the moments after it was over, I couldn't believe the reaction from the right wing in the States, from people in Canada. Um, I just, I found it very surprising and a bit disturbing. What do you mean the right wing in the States? Oh, yeah. They right away were talking about how Biden's policies have led, but oh. this is Biden's fault. I, it's, it's all just so fucking disturbing. On that point, before I get it, we, you know, I laugh like Fox News and the right wing media always talk about, you know, the mainstream media not telling you all the facts. Well, Benjamin Netanyahu, his speech yesterday was all in Hebrew, not English. Mm-hmm. But CNN and MSNBC, I'm flipping around because I wanted to know, right? They play it with an interpreter. And there was a big part of that speech where he said, I want to thank President Biden. I've been on the phone with him, and I want to thank the American people for their support. Yeah. Flip over to Fox, and they're not taking it live. Mm-hmm. And then after the speech was done, they had somebody sit there and tell you what Netanyahu said. They did not mention that. No. This is your own country that's being sort of, um, you know, complimented. Mm-hmm through this and they did not mention that part where he said president biden's been great through this and uh, i'm in close touch with the americans thank you very much so they don't even want to take a compliment right because for political because reasons. yeah anyway, for that's what i'm saying for yeah. Th- yeah. there was a, a tweet yesterday from somebody on the right who said you know oh, no i know who it was it was that little twat fucking kaylee McEnany. Mm-hmm. She she tweets out, you know, uh, yesterday, President, former President Trump spoke, former Ambassador Nikki Haley spoke, former this. Uh, where was President Biden? Meanwhile, a bunch of people said, here's this fucking guy speaking. Here's here's the guy. Actually, here's his speech yesterday, Kaylee. But not only that, Howard, when you're the president, he's sequestered somewhere. He's dealing with it. You know what I mean? And he can't. And as it was explained several times, he can't reveal that much because he's in the trenches with them right now. You know, planning maybe a reaction and how will the U.S. be involved? He can't be talking about it. Like, grow up. But he did. He did issue it. First of all, he did issue it. I know. To to the extent he could. You're right. He he wasn't enough for them. But that's that's what I mean in in, in terms of. So if you were a Fox, I don't know how this turned into Fox, but if you were a. an American and saw that you think, well, yeah, where is our president? Meanwhile, it's a lie. He was, he did issue a statement. He did say something, but let's get back to the Jews. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I mean, I'm not a very religious person, obviously. I don't know what I am, uh, an atheist of some kind, but I am a student of religion and you know, you know, there's not just Hamas, but there's Islamic Jihad and their whole reason to be, as the French say, the raison d'etre of these people is to eliminate Israel. Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, and I, I want to say this too. I don't think, and, I, and I, I don't know all the details of the region, but this discussion you and I had before the show, even other Palestinians, the Palestinian Authority, have tried to find a way around Hamas. Israel does not occupy the Gaza Strip. That part I do know. They pulled out in 2005 and have been trying since then to make things work. But because the organization, Hamas, they're not about negotiation. They just want to eliminate the state of Israel. And I know it's not that simple. And I know that there's been atrocities. And I know that a lot of people believe that the Israeli government is in an apartheid um, uh, state over the Palestinians. I know all that. 
But what, what these people did to innocent people, and again, someone might say, yeah, but what about what the years are? Okay, I know. But just put that aside for a second. Hamas and Islamic Jihad, by definition, means to fucking get rid of the infidels. That's what they want. And that's why this is, uh, it's been going on for, you know, a long time and it will continue to go on because the people on the one side don't want peace with the infidels. They want the elimination of the Jews. Right. And when you get back to the reaction here in Toronto, the support for the Palestinians and therefore Hamas through this, I mean, that's, you'll never resolve this because that's the reaction. Oh, you want to talk about atrocities? Oh, we can give you all sorts of examples of Israeli atrocities against the Palestinian people or American soldiers in Vietnam and blah, 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 blah. There will always be that reaction. And they will justify anything through numbers because they'll say, you know, look at Hamas and this little Palestinian state. It's like two million people. The only warfare, the only way we can, you know involved in any kind of warfare is to get down and dirty and nasty and that's the whole idea of taking these um these prisoners they're bargaining chips obviously yeah they, I, I was reading the last time is israel gave up um one um or gave up a hundred palestinian prisoners for one israeli so they know what they're doing mm-hmm. and it's not good and it's awful and it's evil and it's sadistic but that's their position. And those people marching around in Toronto yesterday, it would be like at a Trump rally, right? You talk to them and you just want to bang your head against the fucking wall because they would have an answer. As invalid as it is, they would have a reaction and an answer and an answer to it. Since last year, Israel has issued over 15,000 work permits for Gazans to work in Israel, believing that this humanitarian gesture would be reciprocated by Hamas. And they were wrong. See, the, the any, any gesture that Israel has done mm-hmm. to try and figure something out, recognizing that, and, I, and again, the Israeli government is not the Jewish people. And, I, and, and, no. and is, is horrible, and again, I keep acknowledging that there has been atrocities perpetrated on the Palestinian people in this land that has been disputed for thousands of years, and it you know it goes back to 1917 in some ways in terms of siphoning off this land for Israel, etc. I know all that, but this isn't about that. This is about a group of people that don't want to have a resolution other than to get rid of them all. And the mm-hmm. unfortunate thing for Hamas and Islamic Jihad is, and, I, and I'm, I'm afraid that what's going to happen because Israel now will not stop until they're done. There will be no more Hamas. And unfortunately, those innocent people inside of Gaza are going to be affected by it. And that's also wrong. And we haven't even mentioned yesterday. They know for a fact Iran is involved now. Yeah. Wait till we get to Iran. Well, you know, do you know why they're involved, though? Did you read that? I read many things. What? Well, the main reason is. Saudi Arabia was about to do a deal with the Israelis. Iran, the last thing Iran wants, again, a religious state, is there because they also hate the Saudi Arabians. Mm -hmm. The last thing they want is Saudi Arabia and Israel to be in a a, a place where they might start to make things work, to make things better for people. Yeah, because a month or so ago, that crown prince of Saudi Arabia, whatever his title is, he actually, I think it was on 60 Minutes, admitted that, yes, 
there was light at the end of the tunnel and um, there could be peace. So can you imagine that? And that's a trigger for. So what that did is it triggered <laughs> Iran. terrorism. So Iran, which backs the Hamas. Don't tell me they don't. This little this this thing little. I'm sorry. This this thing that's happened now. There's no it's, it's going to scuttle that deal because Saudi Arabia can't be seen to be in in um, mm-hmm. in uh, kind of a deal with the Israelis now because because the Israelis are going to be killing Palestinians by this by the hundreds over the next uh, period of time, unfortunately. And the problem with Iran, you know, who's in their corner, too, is Russia. Russia yes. China. I know. So, I mean, it's just got the potential for a shit show, obviously. There is another thing, too, that deal. And again, I'm a bit of a simpleton with this stuff. It's um, the last deal that the U.S. made with Iran was included six billion dollars. Well, all these Republicans are out yesterday mouthing off saying that six billion dollars has been used against the people of Israel, which involved Americans. Well, apparently not one dollar of that has been touched yet. It's been proved. Yeah. But they still, they so you know what I mean? These people are so polarized and so entrenched. You talk about hatred, Democrats and Republicans. They're throwing that out there to the people of the U.S. when they know it's not true. No, exactly. And, well, they're, and, and that's why it's so multi-layered and it's yeah. so disgusting. And that little fact there, like you, you, you said about Fox not interpreting what the uh, prime minister mm-hmm. was actually saying. It, that that's why it's so dangerous because mm-hmm. if you only get your news from one source you would think that the americans gave the iranians that six billion dollars which they yeah. have not used uh we're going to continue this discussion uh with our very good friend and uh fine character from uh from radio land <laughs> sorry he's uh his most recent uh podcast where he wins all, all the awards all the awards <laughs> that's the thing He's only, he's only ever done like uh, two podcasts, and all of them are award winning. His later his latest his latest one is called Later That Same Life, and uh, he is Larry Fedorik for crying out loud! Look at him! Look at hey. him! Hey, humble, hey, friend, how are you? Look how good! Not bad, you look. pal. How are you? Listen, happy good. happy post Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Although, and I was listening to you guys earlier. Howard and Fred, didn't this happen to you? When, when, for many years in radio, ratings were in September and October. Yes. Yeah. And there was a, a mindset at some point that you you even worked the holidays mm-hmm. because it was ratings. So yes. you had to be on. So uh, many years, Mondays, I worked and our family, as a result, never really developed a Thanksgiving tradition mm-hmm. because I was always working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on, they said, well, you know, it's people people aren't in their regular habits anyway you should have the monday off and that was a little later on yeah that, i remember when that came in but you know it's funny for many years a lot of people experience this where this no matter how old you get as the summer winds down the exhibition starts you get that feeling of having to go back to school yeah, but radio exactly. people because somewhere in august we're hauled into meetings about what the fall promotion is going to be right. you and and fred has coined this phrase where we would come back from labor day and it was time to get serious because there was going to be 13 weeks or whatever the the period was where we would have to be on our best behavior and sort of do our best shows for ratings. What affected me over the years was actually the spring ratings book because all my kids' friends in this area would go away for March break. Right. I could we could, I could, we could never take the kids away for March break because we were in ratings. Right. And yeah. you know beyond that they were in school all the time. That was another thing. Yeah, same with I us. Felt. 
Yeah. Never so, took and, my kids And away. now in uh, semi-retirement, um, translate unemployed. Um, <laughs> it's it's just Mondays. Like, what did you do Thanksgiving? I was like, it's another day. I don't know. I never had a Thanksgiving tradition. It's a, uh, it's another day. It's uh, yeah. We 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 really don't do much, but. Well, that's the nice thing about this podcast, that we continue to do it some number of days a week, depending on the time of year. But between three and four days a week, we are tasked with coming in here and trying to produce some nonsense. But it does give you a bit of structure, even though we're, in effect, semi-retired, you know. Can I just say one more thing about radio ratings, which always I found amusing? So you'd be clicking along, doing your show, getting in a good rhythm. So ratings would come along, and then all of a sudden you'd have this big goofy contest plopped yeah. right in the middle of it. So you'd have to stop the stop the show down, and then talk about hey, hundred thousand dollars and all this, and it was like now you're not sort of being true to what the brand was for all those other months. You know, was, I think it the was same a thing. Weird thing, yeah. It was a weird, weird thing. Like if they weren't listening to us all the other yeah. months of the year. Yeah. Why were they going to listen to us from whatever it was, September 5th to October 31st? <laughs> and and by the way, just for the record, we never gave away 100000 I think the biggest we, we ever gave away was 50000 for. But but our contest, Humble uh-huh. and Fred's Really Tough Contest, right. at least they were part of the brand. When we went to other radio stations, it was like, yes. like yeah. now we're calling somebody on their birthday. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I know. Yeah. I know. Anyway, um, so observations. We were, we, oh, that's right. We were going to be uh, talking about some of the stuff. That's uh, and we will get to later that same life, but you may have heard us just the last 15 minutes before you came on. We started to talk about what's going on in the Middle East, and you know, I gave my perspective as a uh, not a religious Jew, but I'm a Jewish person, and of course, seeing all these people, you know, like anti Semitism. Uh, doesn't need a lot. There's not. You don't need. Doesn't take a lot to light that fire. It's already smoldering all right. the time, and so. That's sort of where I began and, and landed. What about your thoughts as a, a guy that's covered current affairs and current events? I It's interesting to me when this all began, and um, I'm, I'm also very critical of, of news coverage, especially TV news coverage. And I resisted as long as I could. And then finally yesterday, I tweeted at CNN and at CBC, uh, do you think that your three-day infomercial for Hamas is actually effective news coverage. Uh, because I found the, the, as awful as everything is, and there's, there's the issues that you guys have raised so far and that I would love to comment on, but as awful as all that is, when a specific terrorist group, um, says they represent, uh, an ethnic group, which they, they don't. Hamas is a terrorist group and have been recognized as such by various countries around the world, including us in Canada. Uh, but when that coverage is wall to wall to wall, when it, I don't know, it, people say, well, shouldn't they be covered? Yes, it should. But nothing but there was nothing else. The rest of the world was still turning. And isn't that what a terrorist group wants? Isn't that what they want? They want the recognition. Look at us. Look what we did. And and and, and it's reinforced by people who think they're simply reporting the news. They're not. They're they're an infomercial for Hamas. Look at what they did. Look at how Israel wasn't prepared. They should have been prepared. What was wrong? All of these things are true. Mm-hmm. But I I just kept looking for something else. To, this morning, I, I turn on the news and somebody said that the Canadian auto workers are, are on strike. And I was like, yay. 
something else, somebody, something else in the if, world. If I may, Larry, so, so the focus is no. So you're saying that a tough time. So what I'm going to get you saying. So you're saying that that. I didn't watch any of the CBC coverage. I um, just did most of my, you know, got my news from reading about it. What, what, do, what, do, what do you believe they should do in a situation like this? I, I, I believe it should be, you know, 40 minutes an hour. I mean, I don't know the how to break up a, a news format, but right. I just I just felt like uh, I needed to know everything about this. I appreciate that that people like CNN, one of the last networks to actually have bureaus and people embedded and, and some of the reporters embedded in Israel were, uh, it was stunning coverage. Yeah, it was, it was under, they were coverage. under attack a couple times, yeah. It was award-winning. I have no problem with that, but just some of it was no longer news. It was just here's here's a person from a university who's an expert in Israeli studies and has a, has an opinion, and then here's another one who has another opinion, and then here's a and every every politician who could get FaceTime was was given this FaceTime to where it wasn't news, it wasn't adding to the story or giving me context, it was just. Uh, I don't know. It's like, okay. does, I, don't, I don't know what news say. Do they say, well, a war is ratings, so let's stick with this? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what that's it is. What it's exactly all about, it. you know, it's all about the eyeballs. And they want people to know that no matter when you tune in CNN, they're going to be on it. Mm-hmm. And that's and I think that's why they do wall-to-wall coverage. I mean, even it was, qu- you know, hey, whenever, you know, whenever they call Wolf Blitzer in on a Sunday, no, you yeah. know, this is what you're going to get. And they, that's what they did. Someone called Woods. Plus, yeah. it's a amazing how quickly they come up with all the bumpers and all the little uh oh yeah you know in going to commercials and out of commercials the music and the bumpers and the and the one-liners and all these stuff and i guess israeli israeli conflict continues after these messages (laughs) it's it's quickly branded and sold as as commercialism which i get i do Mm -hmm. i do not have a better model for how to present news other than a commercial television station yes uh there i i don't have an answer to that but i just feel like here's some of the other stories covering the rest of the world was still turning but there to fred's still- point yeah it, it, i i know that but to, to like when you know and that's like saying hey the days after 9 11 how come they weren't also talking about uh, the nfl but, but to fred's point about they're they're basically we, we all worked in uh, the, the business there's a, a there's a news wheel and they're just saying that okay at any given time if you tune into this network they're going to be covering this story and as, i think they did try and give it some context bringing in it, experts you know, it's so much like radio and, you know, to use a phrase we used a week or so ago, play the hits. And they knew that that weekend they had to be on that. They couldn't risk that somebody would tune into CNN and they, then be talking about an auto strike or some other issue in the United States. Because then they would turn away to it, go it, find what they're looking for. And it doesn't make it right, but that's the reality. The interesting thing also to me in watching the coverage is to see in Toronto and Ottawa and Calgary and, and Montreal Vancouver and Paris and London and people taking to the streets in support of Israel or Palestine. And with few exceptions. Now, I understand the television shows the people they want to show, but, but most of the people were like peace in the region. We're here to promote peace. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we're we're. You know, you mentioned the Palestinian Authority. Uh, Get back to Hamas, terrorist group, terrorist group uh, taking um, these terrible attacks backed by who knows Iran. And now Hezbollah is lined up along the border with Lebanon, uh, thinking they'll get in on this as well at the time uh, that this is not 
or is it? I don't know. I'm asking. Is this is not the majority of the people who who perhaps want a two state solution and want to live in the region in relative peace? And, and as I said in my essay, was that I, I accept that there are, and, and I'll just say it. I had a long, long conversation with uh, one of my kids who has way different opinions than I would have expected, but I respect the opinions that she has because she's not, you know, you would think most people in my generation of Jews would be instantly aligned with Israel. But having spoken to her and read some things and tried to educate myself, they're not without fault. Just the same way that in the days after 9-11, you had to examine why would those people be so angry with America because they're not without fault. So I accept that. But but the problem with Hamas is, as I've said a few things today, they don't want a, a solution. Neither does Iran. They just want to eliminate the state of Israel. Well, that's their solution. That is their that is their solution. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there when you talk about because I'm not a religion, uh, religious person either. Uh, I look at religion as just another way to divide us. And that's really been the scourge of humanity for uh, centuries is uh, we just continue to be divided into uh, categories based on gender, based on religion, based on preference, based on nationality, based on skin color, based on, and it keeps on, you know, social status and it keeps on going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And we're told to, to be proud and to defend that, that, that that ideology thing about us and in, and instead of and it's like my line is instead of more pride in what makes us unique how about more humility to admit the things that make us the same mm-hmm. now that's pretty you know pretty uh kumbaya let's why can we all get along mm. i get that but i i just get really upset at people who sow division mm-hmm. like well I'll, I'll tell you that's the one thing that concerns me and i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and to me, that's one of the biggest threats to Canada, um, political and religious conflict from other countries being fought on Canadian soil. That's coming. I'll tell you. Well, I can feel like I can f- I can see it in Brampton, the tension between different Indian factions. They say it. They say it to you. And it's like, wow. I mean, that's this ain't going to get any better. This I, I, is not going to get any better. That was to my I was going to try and make that point earlier about all these demonstrations and all mm-hmm. in all the uh, cities around the world. When something happens in a part of the world, it's ha- it's now happened to the world. You mm-hmm. can't. Well, that's over there. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. concerned. I, you know, I pray for those people if I'm a praying person. But but it's not. It's also down your street if you want it, you know. Yes. Well, and that's uh, what well, was so everybody disturbing. Everybody gathered yesterday. Did you hear this yesterday? A bunch of people, they were told to gather at the Gaza Plaza, which was some plaza in Mississauga. Oh, were they? Um, they were told to gather there so then they could begin the protest. Yeah, they, and they were saying, meet at the Gaza Plaza. Right. Nice. Well, Super that's what I was gonna, what, what's disturbing to me is that, that, uh, that there's this narrative now that, you know, but what you said about the, the, the globalization or the, 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 how small the world is now, the idea that, you know, we used to think that this just happened over there, but how quickly it happened in Canada, whether it was that situation you're talking about or the protests in Ottawa, Montreal, like how quickly it became, because, again, because bubbling under anti-Semitism is not far. It doesn't take much to light that match because it's always there. 
and how quickly that came out and how quickly people, I mean, again, I keep having to say, I know the Israelis have done this, but the atrocities, like, I don't think we're talking enough about that. What happened in this attack was unbelievable. Forget the fact that it's a thousand people. These weren't military people being dragged out of their homes, people being burned alive. Like this wasn't just a bunch of people with that got killed by mortar shells being thrown from some anonymous place way in far in the distance. This was on the ground. And some of the things that, you know, you've seen on these videos, like like this is these are animals doing this. That's such a lack of regard for a human being's life. I don't know. I mean, that that I find extremely disturbing. That's, that's so uh, um, um, it's it's good that you brought that up because the civilians are always casualties of war. We try and play war by rules and it's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. uh, but this specifically was a uh, was an attack on civilians in in in, uh, you know, in cafes at a music festival, music festival. Yeah. Um, just, you know, the, all the accounts of people talking to relatives in other parts of the world, including Canada, on their cell phone. Just a minute, there's somebody at the door. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and this, this being captured on a, on a cell phone because they just broke into homes and stuff. It, it, exacting this on specifically on civilians going about their day. That's, that's incredible. That is, that is just terrorism personified. And with everything being videoed and recorded now, there was so many clips. In fact, they didn't show some. On television because they were so abhorrent, but you know, young women being um, sort of kidnapped, thrown into trucks, and taken in into Gaza. Um, they know they're going to be raped, and there was parents and families that saw young their daughters mm-hmm. being taken away. And what would that feeling like? Be at home, knowing not only are they going to be abused, you know, they're going to be raped. And if they survive, what it's going to do to their lives. Just heartless. Like it's, well, you can't. can't, can't, And that's why I wanted to bring it up because I Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, because, you know, people get um, sort of, I don't want to, the word they anesthetize or they don't think about it, but there's so many stories of that. I I didn't really engage too much online this weekend, but there was one little thing I I saw uh, someone had, a Jewish person had posted a picture of this little family and, you know, not much different than your grandkids. They were probably, the parents look like they're in their late thirties and they've got three daughters and, and someone had written this entire family was, was, was slaughtered by a Palestinian Mm -hmm. death squad. And then they list the names and then somebody, I don't want to say who it was, just wrote their response was, sorry, don't really care. Mm -hmm. And I wrote back this, I wrote, you don't even care a little bit. I said, that's got to feel weird to say. Maybe mm-hmm. find something in your heart for these fellow human beings. You know, you cannot like Jews and you can hate what Israeli is, Israel has done. But when you look at this family, <clears throat> excuse me, if your response is, I don't really care, then something's wrong with you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what brings you to that. Well, point. I um, it's frustrating to think that there are there are people like that, and, yeah. and getting back to Hamas itself to to think that um, there are people who can do that just for some somehow convoluted cause in their brain, which they feel they are they are furthering a cause of their own race or or religion that is just. Um, it's bizarre, man. It's, yeah. I know it's you, bizarre. It's I, saddening. It's it's just it's heartbreaking for me. You want, you I, I wanna, find it hard to kind of get through a day. Yeah, you want to bash your head against the wall. But again, as I've said to Howard, 
within the person who wrote that, I don't care. They, uh, in some level, have a justification for it. Oh, yeah. It's not valid. I mean, it's probably twisted. But what they've been through, what they've seen, who they're related to, somehow they conjure up a justification to it. You know, it's the, as I said, you know, on a different level, it's like watching Trump rallies. When they talk to the people afterwards, it's like, like, where does that come from? What made you that person that admires this guy? Speaking of which, it's too bad he wasn't president, because if this... No, none of this would have happened. You, yeah. None of this would have happened if uh, Trump <laughs> no, I was know. still president. By the way, there was, I, I, there was a clip this weekend. I wish I'd have saved it. I'm sure you guys have heard about it, where they're talking to some guy at a Trump rally about something to do with guns, and the guy says, well, you know what? You can't fight fire with water. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy interviewing him goes, uh, no, that's exactly how you fight fire <laughs> is with fucking water, you dumb dee. Um, anyway. But back to the string where I, I weighed in about the guy not really caring. So all the people that were basically pro-Palestinian, what they would say, and this is, again, a picture of a, a beautiful little family. All the girls in this picture that were slaughtered are under mm-hmm. eight years old. The, the parents are no more than 35, 38 years old. All the people that were... What their responses were, Larry, was this, which is, what about all the Palestinians? What about all of them that have been killed? What about all? And that's what it what it. And that's why, again, I I'll say it again. I I defer to there being some what about ism in this. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't take away from the fact that this was a the worst slaughter of Jewish human beings since World War Two. And we all know what happened there. Um, You know, it's like. Let's have some let's take a moment or two and have some compassion for that before we start trying to dissect why it happened, who's responsible, because this isn't this wasn't it's an it's a war now, but this wasn't a war like again, you know what I mean when I say they weren't throwing rockets from afar. They were going man person to person, hacking and killing people taking them out of their homes a, an older woman i heard a story couldn't they couldn't get her out of the house because she was um crippled so they burned her alive in the house uh, you know you got to be a special mm. kind of and in the name of religion you got to be a special mm. kind of person to be able to do that and still think you've got that you're on the side of the righteous i i always think that um Compassion is is should be the um, simplest, easiest thing we can at least do. If I can't do anything else, if I can't get on a plane and go to Ukraine and help my people, or I or I uh, donate to a Red Cross, whatever it is, at least I should have a little compassion. If everybody had that corner of themselves where they could at least feel the compassion of it and feel. Uh, you know, a little empathy, then uh, we might be further ahead. Again, I know that sounds pretty ridiculous, but I mean, I it's it's it's, it's, it's so disheartening, and I don't want to be just so gloomy here. But should 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 there be a two state solution? Should Palestinians and and uh, Jews ha- have a homeland? And yes, and should Ukraine have a homeland? And should Taiwan be? And should have the Sikhs have a separate state? And should the people in Spain have? And it's like I I can't find a country where there isn't internal conflict about mm-hmm. we want our own you know i i think the the uh, the stat was after world war ii there were 95 countries in the world today there were almost 200 mm-hmm. uh because and, and and though i support in a lot of cases everybody wanting their own little piece of land that they call their own you know um 
we're we're Bosnians. We're not, you know, and Croatians, and we're and we're going to divide all this up. After a while, you're like division, division, division. Yeah, yeah. You know, Larry, I think I think you but, and I would agree that we won't rest until Saskatchewan has its own is recognized. Well, <laughs> you know, actually, I, actually, there's a woman. She's named Romano Duadel. What's her name again? She's a uh, she's. Uh, uh, I learned this on Thursday. She's. She's got a following. She's a oh, QAnon. Right. She, yeah, yeah. She's the one who went across the country. Yeah, a yeah. town in Saskatchewan now, and <laughs> and somebody's given her shelter there in an uh, in an old school that he owns. And but you, I mean, there's an example. You know, I keep drawing this parallel, but we're seeing it in the United States. You know, that whole cultish thing around Trump. You say the right things at the right time. You know, but you pull at the right strings. These people will follow you anywhere, and you wonder how these. These animals of Hamas can do these things. Well, you know, these kids from little tiny children have been conditioned to hate and, and, and become what they are. You know, it, does, it doesn't happen by accident. And, nope. you know, and even that woman you talk about in Saskatchewan, what's her story? You know, that came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and human minds can be easily manipulated with the right people at the top they just can't speaking of saskatchewan you know where by the way i mentioned that for you people don't know that larry and i are both from saskatchewan um am i is this one of those things where uh larry i heard this growing up and maybe it's one of those things where it was like an urban legend or whatever we used to call those things where at some point wasn't saskatchewan in the running as a potential homeland for the israelis or is that just something i thought i heard um Okay, you were the first Jew I ever met from Saskatchewan. I, I might still be the only one from Saskatchewan. <laughs> that was, and, and I hate to say that, but it was so terrible because in in our little town, you know, everybody's Eastern European. I think I was in university before I saw a person of color. It's just, it's a weird place. So I'd never heard that. My point is, I've never heard that. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's just one of those things. I'm looking it up now. Like, I, I don't know if that was just something I, because I, I, I've heard the story that they were going to annex off a part of Saskatchewan and give it to them. But they were like, fuck that shit, it's too cold. Um, yeah. The <laughs> no Saskatchewan kidding. dreidel rider. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right. The, the Rough Riders have changed their name. Um, listen, Larry, dude, it was great talking to you. I, I, I totally agree with what you say about compassion. It isn't, you know, it, it isn't hard to imagine and not to be too esoteric or John Lennon-esque, but it's not hard to imagine a world where we weren't divided by some religious slash fantasy ideology that all, I mean, I'm sure there's got to be some of those people in Hamas that were doing that, that thought this is fucking crazy. This is crazy what we're doing. There has to be because human nature isn't, you can't go, I mean, yes, what Fred said about being indoctrinated from an early age, but there's, I just hold out hope that there had to be somebody that was doing this thought, you know, this is wrong. Well, you could, you could, you know, if there's 2 million people in, in Gaza, the Gaza Strip, you know, the vast, 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 vast majority of them would never do that. And that would be another argument for that side. Not that even that it's valid or you should even bring that up. But I mean, if you want to look at the again, the human condition and see some kind of compassion or hope, that's probably the case. Most people there know this is wrong. It wouldn't take part, but it's still happening. I, I have a, uh, uh, I know we got to go, but I have a Gort 
uh, fantasy. And Gort was the robot in a movie called The Day the Earth Stood Still. And Gort was like 30 foot tall and completely indestructible. And he had a visor kind of robot metal head and a little visor that came up and a laser mm-hmm. came out <laughs> and um, vaporized people and weapons and stuff. And uh, my Gort fantasy, if I, if I can't get to sleep some nights, I'll just, I'll have a Gort fantasy of who I'd like to vaporize because I don't want to see them. I, I'd rather see some of the evil people suffer, but then that makes me like them. So my, I have a Gort fan. My Gort mm-hmm. fantasy is just I'm vaporizing people while I, Rather than burn them alive, right? I like yeah, that. Yeah, they're just gone. They're just gone. There's no. There's nothing. There's no remains. There's no anything. They're well, I'll tell you gone. what. Before can... you leave, I would like to. If there's somebody to to Gort vaporize, <laughs> and, and this will be a little comic relief, if we could Gort vaporize one guy right now, it'd be this idiot. He's got a consultant somewhere. This is the worst consultant in politics that thinks he looks good in a bathing suit, right? <laughs> no, he he spends so much time at the beach. And, you know how do you do that? And you know. I have a much better body than him, but I'm not really sure that I want to expose it. And, and so he, he actually, you know, there's a guy, talk about living in a fucking fantasy world. He says that, and the people watching him go, I guess, but my favorite part of this is this, it's Keith Oberman, and, and right underneath he posts a reply, yeah, you have a better body, and it's buried near the first tee. <laughs> I've been, He's anyway. just unhinged lately, man. He's oh, no, he's the, he's the greatest. He is oh. the fucking again, gift that keeps on all giving. That, all those rallies, he talks for an hour and doesn't talk about policy or solutions about anything for a second. No. Uh, I'll tell you who does talk for a living and does a really nice job. And that, my friend, is... Larry Aloysius Fedoric. <laughs> he right. is the uh, next time you're on, we'll talk about the podcast later. That same life, sure, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can get back to nonsense soon enough. And uh, all the best, my friend. Thanks for dropping in with us uh, this morning. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Fred. See you soon. He's a good Amen. boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, this program is uh, baked fresh uh, most days. We do have some reruns and such. Uh, go ahead, yes. Uh, brought to you by... Retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, uh, the portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim will be by tomorrow. Yes, it's Tuesday, not Monday. It may feel like a Monday, but it's Tuesday. Uh, when should you retire is the question for tomorrow. Is it all about the numbers? What about physical and mental health? Should that play a part? Life and uh, active uh, expectancies. What do you want to do in your retirement? And, uh, you know, your priorities. Do you like your job? Do you just want to stay in your job? You can if you want. All those things will be touched upon by the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. We're very excited to uh, have our friends at Palma Pasta um, sponsor our email show. And last uh, last Thursday, I think we also gave away the uh, Palma Pasta gift card, did we not? I think we did. I mean, it was a few days ago. Was it ago. the week before? Maybe. To Michelle Dames. Is that what that was? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get your entries in because once a month we're going to give away a $100 gift card. And you get to, uh, I'm going over there today to the uh, Seminac location of Palmas Kitchen. And, of course, there's uh, multi-locations. If you can't get to a locale, you can order online. Do it at palmapasta.com. Catering services are available for corporate events or even a small you know get-together anywhere in the GTA. 
Palma Pasta, Italian tradition, simply delicious. Go to palmapasta.com. Uh, Dan Duran's coming back in a little while, but he did send me that clip. Uh, even if you're not on social media, that's fine. But you must, uh, maybe you didn't hear about the clip, but now you're going to hear the clip. And it just gives you, an, an, to what you were saying about, like, you have to wonder, like, I'd like to talk to this guy after he was interviewed and say, really, did you, did you really mean to say that? No gun-free zones. He's talking about gun-free zones. No gun-free zones. Wait, so... More guns. Yep. Can't fight fire with water. You gotta fight fire with fire. You can't fight fire with water? <laughs> yeah. Depends on what's in the fire. They specifically do fight fire with water. Yeah. Yeah. So that guy walks away, and somewhere in his brain, he knows how stupid that was. He got to. You can't fight fire with water. Mm. Really? And so what, what took place was what his thing is, you have to have more guns. Fine. But surely, and this is not a child. That was a man in his, got to be in his 30s, maybe in his early 40s. He's got to know how dumb that was on some level. Yeah, you'd think, you'd hope. But there's a million of those things. Oh, yeah. Right there talking to people coming outside of rallies and I, I know I just don't get it and you know talking to my you know my buddy John neighbor John former neighbor John you know he goes to the states a lot and you know over the past four or five years he said to me you know there's how many guys I've sat with who seem to be intelligent guys and they like Trump mm-hmm. and he said I can't explain it they try to explain it but you know as time goes on, you hope a lot of those guys, rational thinking guys, sort of in the middle to the right are going, okay, now I've heard enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. I sort of bought in on some level before, but now, okay, it's over the line. You would just hope that is the situation. But it gets back to what we were saying about the selective reporting. And I love what you said. I, I, I love what you said about, you know, how... The right's always talking about the mainstream media and how mm-hmm. it skews. But nobody mm-hmm. skews their propaganda. That's what I call it. More than the right-wing media. Just that example of, you know, there's the prime minister of Israel thanking the U.S. and their president. But they eliminate that because it doesn't fit their right-wing narrative slash agenda. And I just want to finish by saying, say what you want about MSNBC being left-oriented and CNN. But at least they'll give both sides of the story. Howard. I subscribe to MSNBC, CNN, and Fox. And Delise will tell you, whenever there's a major issue, I'm clicking around the the three of them because I want to see. CNN is always, not always, frequently. So is MSNBC talking about Hunter Biden. You know what I mean? It's a story. He's now been indicted. It's a story. They talk about it. If you flip that, if that was Donald Trump Jr., you would not hear about that story on Fox News or Newsmax, and I agree. which I have access to through another little service. They would not talk about it. I agree. And I don't give a shit what anybody says. You know, when people when, when people are all over CNN, it's it's just weird to me. Yeah, they have their flaws. 
But they'll talk about things that aren't Democrat friendly if it's news. And as Larry mentioned, you know, CNN still has that old fat. I mean, I haven't watched CBS or NBC or ABC. So CNN, though, still has reporters on the ground. And he and I don't know if you caught what he said. There's been some amazing Mm. reporting. They let something go yesterday. And it was this woman. I did. I was listening to it on the way to Thanksgiving because I also have Fox, CNN and MSNBC on uh, Sirius. And they had a woman who was doing her report. And Dan, I don't know if this has ever happened to you on a set, but she was doing her report, Dan. And yes. while she was reporting, they started taking fire. And you hear her running for her fucking life. And then she's breathing heavily and she's going, saying to her cameraman, fuck it. Fuck, she said it three times and he just let it go and didn't even mention anything. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, we have a little interview here with Tim Daniels. Oh, do you know? Okay. Yes, we do. I, I didn't think he was going to show up, but there he is. Oh, there he is. So, okay. um, well, then, uh, you know, just take your time. Blackout. Uh, you can put yourself in blackout, whatever it is you do. Yeah. And um, we'll uh, talk to one of our clients. And I'll, I'll stand by with my uh, excellent poop story I got for you. Oh, I love a good poop story, oh, Dan. It's a great poop story. Oh, good Dan. poop story today. Yeah. You know what Unusual you are? in the poop annals. You're Diarrhea? A- Diarrhea or just, no, just solid? Just regular poop. <laughs> uh, solid, <laughs> solid poops, yeah. It has to be solid for this story. Okay, well, Dan, you are. You know what you are? You're a palate cleanser when it comes to poo stories. <laughs> Cat Dan Duran. You know what? You can always count on Dan to clear yeah. the air with a nice poo story. I'm not boring. I'm not boring. No, you're not. Hey, you're not boring. And then we're going to start talking about Boron, which is also not boring. Not boring. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, and I don't know, Tim Daniels is far too bright a man to have a poo story be the lead in to his appearance, but here he is. (laughs) He's the man behind. uh, Hey, buddy. Um, Good to see you. Listen, my friend, it's fall here in Ontario. I know you know it. Ontario's like because you've been uh, you've lived around the world but like it went from being 25 degrees here on Friday to like 12 on Saturday just like that and now I'm wearing long pants and a shirt where you are in Florence does it ever get below 20 is it always pretty warm oh yeah no it certainly does um you know January February um it's not Vancouver like you know it, through the day, maybe 10, 12 degrees. Um, and I, and I, it'll stay like that for about a month. Um, and then we, you know, we climb out of it and back into the warm weather. So. Nice, man. Um, but it doesn't nice. start until, let's see, today, what are we looking at here? Um, yeah, today, 26, tomorrow, 27. Not right. 27. I'm sorry 27. I asked. So, we're, you know, in, in, we started to cool down. We're not... Uh, in the mid thirties anymore, but uh, uh, but, yeah. but we're not in the. But in the you season. you and I grew up a few blocks from each other in Moose Jaw. By this time in yeah. Moose Jaw, like I don't rec- I think I've told this to Fred. I don't remember as a kid ever going trick or treating without my costume on over my parka. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you bet. Yeah, absolutely. You know the the costume would always have to be like <laughs> four sizes too big. That's right. <laughs> You know, because well, you have to have your winter jacket under it, for sure. Everything. You know, my wife and I went to Arizona once, and we were talking to the proprietors of the Airbnb that we were in, and they explained it's hard for Canadians to accept. They hate summer. They absolutely yeah. hate the summer. And they looked forward to, again, Arizona, probably similar to Italy. Um, they looked forward to the fall and the winter when it 
when it dipped down? Yeah, beyond a doubt. Um, you know, it's nice when you get Florence is, is kind of a an anomaly because we're in a in a basin and it's almost like the LA basin where where you know you have this uh, uh, this heat dome over it mm-hmm. and so it, it's it's always like five degrees hotter than you know the nearby <laughs> countryside. Um, we haven't seen snow here in a dozen years. Not you know not one drop of snow. Um, whereas one year about five years ago they had a meter of snow in Rome. Um, which is a couple hours south of here that lasted for like three, four days. And we didn't have a drop of snow. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in this anomaly. Right. So when you get outside of Florence um, in, into the Tuscan countryside, you actually experience, it, it, you know, it's all it's mild, but four actual seasons, you know, and it's a subtle change. Nice. Um, but there's four actual seasons where mm-hmm. here it's uh, mm-hmm. you don't get it. You get uh, right. Hot, hot summer, and then a little bit of a, you know, Vancouver-like rainy winter month. Over the, uh, let me just jump in and talk about Boron One. Boron1.com, over the last few months, we've started to understand that Boron is in everything. I love what it says here on the site. It's difficult to comprehend the variety of uses of Boron in construction, manufacturing, medicine, etc. And I think what we've been trying to say to the people listening is that, you know, lots of mining companies... Uh, you know, we sort of have a um, they get in this race to see if they can actually get to a stage where they're going to begin taking whatever mineral the company is involved in out of the ground. And as you've explained to me, and I've started to really get my head around the fact that it's a really, really small percentage of companies that ever get to the stage that Boron One is at now. So just give us a little, if you can. Um, yeah, for sure. A little perspective um, believe, on that. Yeah, believe it or not, the the odds of um, a mining company that's exploring a property, the the odds of that property ever finds an economic deposit is one out of a couple thousand. Um, it's really, really low. Um, it, uh, so. It, um, for a company to turn that corner um, and go from exploration into the, you know, into the the, the mine development uh, phase, which we're in now, um, you you explore a thousand or more properties to get to that point. So it's extremely rare, and and it you know it's what we call you know de-risking the the, the project. So. Um, uh, once you turn that corner and you know that you've got an economic deposit, um, certainly there's still uh, a, a lot of different risks associated with it, uh, you know, with the development cycle. But the biggest single risk, which is uh, your ability to, to find a property uh, that, that has, you know, economic merit, um, that's behind us. And so that <laughs> that is a, mm-hmm. a, a long ways uh, around the bases towards uh, scoring that run. Um, so, so really, really important uh, to, you know, to, to make note of that, which, which you, you know, started to, to get. So. Yeah, nothing's easy, is it, <laughs> when, it no, when it comes to that? Yeah. Not at all. No, and, and typically we, we'll spend, you know, 10 million or more and seven to 10 years or more 
to get to the point of knowing whether a, a deposit right. is economic or you're going to walk away from it. So it's not like, you know, it's something that you do, you know, quick and cheap and a week later, okay, discard that one and start again. Um, you know, it's a big commitment time-wise, money-wise uh, to get to the point to say, yeah, this thing actually makes sense and we're going to go to the next stage, which is developing a mine or, oh, well, that one didn't work out. Let's just, let's start over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really expensive, really time consuming. So we, we always and, like my caveat with people whenever I talk about Boron One is I say, listen, you know, we don't know enough uh, to recommend uh, you investing in it. But I say we do know enough that the company is viable. Uh, if you want to know more information, we'll say, listen, get our, because we have a, a guy that's a financial expert on our program. We always say, get uh, Tim to have a look at it or get your guy to have a look at it. But certainly, it, it's in the stage now, this is the point I want to make today, where the one in a thousand uh, part is done. And that's really, really rare for a junior mining company to get, ever, ever get to this point, as you say. And now at this point, yes, it could be um, a period of time, a couple of years before, two, three years, whatever it is, before boron starts coming out of the ground. But these are the times where that first part, that lottery, that sort of feeling of, well, maybe... So without saying so much, this is certainly a good time to have a look at the company. It is, beyond a doubt. Um, The other uh, point I'd like to make with respect to um, uh, 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 the difficulty in getting to this stage is that that's in general, if you're talking about any sort of mining project, if you're talking about a boron project, there's you can literally count all the boron mines in the world on this hand. Wow. Um, uh, uh, finding um, enough boron in an economic concentration that it can be mined and make and you make money out of it is is very very few and far between. Wow. So we're really in that you know unique uh, period in, in, in space where we've uh, uh, we found an economic deposit check. We found an economic deposit of a mineral that's extremely rare, uh, being boron, um, and at the same time that it's extremely rare, it's in extremely high demand. Um, that boron is used in hundreds and hundreds of products that you and I and everyone watching this program, I guarantee, use every single day. Everything from the glass in, in the screen of one of these things to your fiber optic cable running your internet to the uh, uh, fiberglass insulation that keeps your house warm to the solar panels on your roof uh, and on and on and on and on and on. Hundreds of products that, that we all use every day um, rely on boron and, and would not be the same product without boron. So so boron is, is just one of these really, really unique products that... Uh, um, uh, 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 that we need and is very rare. And, so and safe. I was going to say, and safe to say, this is a this is a great a great opportunity and a rare one to get in on a company that is going to be taking boron out of the ground uh, sometime in the future. Thanks, Timmy. We appreciate it. Thanks for the update. Always appreciate talking to you. You're a good boy, Thanks, Moose Jaw. And uh, we'll speak to you next month. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Boron1.com, my friends. Dan Duran, I'm, I'm just so excited about the uh, the poo story. Uh, I can't even tell you. I've got the microwave.
Well, I've been waiting longer than you to bring this story yeah. to the masses. Before we get to that, Freddie, you know the uh, NHL season starts tomorrow? Uh, tonight, actually. Tonight? Okay. Yeah, there's a triple header on ESPN. Amazing. Uh, we didn't even talk about uh, when did the Le- when did the Leafs uh, are they still in the league or did they decide to sit this year out? <laughs> no, they, you didn't hear they were relegated. <laughs> That's, there should be relegation in the NHL. That would be cool. Uh, actually, Leafs uh, start tomorrow night uh, against the Montreal Canadiens. And um, yeah, you can count on my support come April uh, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, are, the, are the Leafs out of the playoffs yet? Yeah. No, I'm gonna, I watch the Leafs when they're in the oh, playoffs. No, they always make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, kick ass in the regular season. Absolutely. <laughs> I watched uh, Sunday morning. I had Charlie's uh, boyfriend over here. Levi's my buddy. We watched the uh, odd game together. Whether You know, we watched some, uh, watched a little mm-hmm. golf. We watched some football together. And uh, we came over all excited to watch the uh, Buffalo Bills take on Jacksonville in the UK, and that was uh, fucking sad. They were out of sorts after that big victory <clears throat> I know. over Miami. They, I don't know, jet lag, whatever. That's what it was, I yeah. think. Well, it you was, don't, you don't uh, see the text I sent you? Yeah, I did this morning, Howard. So you haven't looked at the phone since Sunday morning at 9.30? No, I get a lot, like... Yeah, I did, but the text was there, and I had received others since then. And you know, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. I because uh, there was really. So do you think I'm like ignoring you or something? Oh, it was during the game. I wrote. I said to you, uh, "How many fucking penalties are they, they going to call?" Oh, I did. I guess I didn't. But have you're my, my phone. Like, when it, when it comes to a sporting event okay. like that, I want to see what you think. Okay, I will have my phone with me. Jesus fuck. Can I give you a little sports anecdote, too, a Toronto sports anecdote? Yes, you can. And we're going to do the poo story. But did you not mm-hmm. think that Buffalo took an enormous amount of penalties? Yes. Because they were tired. That's what I think. It was just weird. Everything was just off a bit. You know, our buddy Ivor Hamilton and our buddy John Ellison, who used to appear on the show from time to time to talk American politics, they went... Wow. To London for that game. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Airfare, expensive London hotel and everything. And you go to that stadium and sit down and see that dog. You know, and the Bills have lost two games. I mean, to the Jets and to the Jaguars. No, I know. Like, weird. And then the Jaguars weird. look great. And here's one thing. They, they were in, they've been in England for like eight days now. Anyways, doesn't matter. Well, that was their second <clears throat> game. They stayed yeah. for two. Yeah. Uh, what's your anecdote? And Dan, Pooh Story standing by. What's your standing sports anecdote? Yeah. What's your sports okay. anecdote? Last offseason, the Blue Jays think they need more left-handed bats in the lineup, so they trade this catcher kid, Morano, and uh, Luris Gurriel Jr. to Arizona for Dalton Varsho. And as you know, Varsho had a so-so year, not very good year. He was the final strikeout in the second game against Minnesota, and it was pathetic, that strikeout, just mm-hmm. awful. So last night, before I went to bed, I just flipped on a baseball game, and it was Arizona against the Dodgers. And Dodgers heavily favored, but Arizona is up on the, is, uh, has a one-game lead, and they won the second game last night. And you know why? <laughs> because the moment, the few moments I watched, Moreno drove, drove in a run, and then Loris Goriel, next in the batting order, 
uh, came up to bat, and he drove in a run. So that four minutes of baseball I watched last night, those two former Blue Jays, who should never have been traded for Dalton Varsho, drove in more runs than the Jays <laughs> scored in their entire series against Minnesota. I love that. How's that for more Toronto pain? <laughs> I was going to say, whenever you get that tone of voice, I know exactly yeah. what's coming. It's like something where it was a Toronto thing, and it got traded, and those guys had their best season ever. And I only watched for four minutes. That's all it takes. They drove in more runs than we scored. Those two <laughs> former best. Jays. It's like, That's oh. the best. Something happened yeah. where a Toronto team, a guy was traded, and they went off to have the Stanley Cup and MVP, and they could have been in the Blue Jays. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what, Dan? We've waited long enough for this. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man comes, as for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from Lisa's house. Do we still call it Lisa's house, or is it now the matrimonial home? No, no, it's Lisa's house. Oh, is it? Is it really? Yeah. Hmm. I uh, made a few improvements, but it's still Lisa's house. He's going to wait two or three years before he tries to get half. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Live from Dan and Lisa's house, here is movie actor and anchorman from Of the Stars, Dan Run. Make sure you declare your poop. Mm-hmm. U.S. Customs stopped a woman from bringing giraffe poop into mm. the country. Now, the woman has created jewelry from jewelry. She's created jewelry from moose poop in the past. Oh. And, uh, you know, a little trip to Kenya thought, hey, it's giraffe poop. Ooh. It's, you know, round and poopy. Would make a great addition to her necklace line. There is a legal path to transport poop into a country. Who knew? Mm-hmm. But uh, that requires proper permits and inspections. She just, you know, was, you know, in carry on bringing it in. And uh, the customs people, they didn't arrest her because she did declare it when they, you know, pulled her out of the line. Hey, you know, let's check out what you got. And then uh, then they said, oh, yeah, you've got some poop here. And she said, yeah, I got poop. I'm not, you know, and so they confiscated it. Customs people said that the ailments in Kenya where the poop was pooped. Uh, includes uh, African swine fever, classical swine fever, Newcastle disease, foot and mouth disease, and swine vesicular, vis, 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 you know, vassal, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, mm-hmm. a swine disease. Anyway, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you trying to say? Those are all possible, yeah. That's terrible. With the poop. It is terrible, yeah. You know, I'm a tad disappointed because human shit stories play way better than animal shit stories, just so you know. But you're wearing poop here. This is the no, poop I know, I get it. I know. It's like who would do that? No. Uh, uh, yeah. What would your no, choice I'm be? Sorry. Yeah, poop but or listen, poop? listen. If anyone, we, we are authorities on what kind of poop stories <laughs> play on this show. Yeah. So mm. this is over an overhyped mm. poop story. Is that what you're saying? I always, <laughs> well, an, an animal poop story can only take you so far in this business, Dan. <laughs> okay. <all right. laughs> well. I didn't know. I'm, I'll, I'll uh, certainly pay attention to your uh, suggestion. A human in distress who shit themselves yeah, exactly. like at the airport. It's, it just plays better. It's like. All right. You know, I, I thought how... you said customs and shit. I thought, you know, oh, somebody yeah. 
some old bastard like Trump or some was, you know, shit, shit himself. A, yeah. And that came like an eight ball of Coke. Uh, I love how this show has been bookended by Stan eating tampons and giraffe shit. And in the middle, we were uh, we got quite serious there for a while. Uh, anyway, we're probably uh, this story uh, isn't going to go away anytime soon, but we are. Uh, we'll what, be the back. Poop story? Not the poop story. <laughs> the the sto- listen, Dan, don't be silly. Uh, the story of uh, you know the uh, another great uh, fucking chapter in religion. Uh, tomorrow, Kevin Frankish joins us, formerly the star of uh, television's Breakfast TV. Uh, yeah, interesting. It will be. Boop. A uh, very interesting. Um, thanks, Larry Fedoric. And uh, yeah, keep thanking. It's thankfulness time of the year. Dan, we're thankful for your participation on this program. That goes without yeah. saying. In fact, when people say that goes without saying, it's things that should be said. Bullshit. Uh, Good point. So I will say it without saying. <laughs> I will happily say that it's great to have you on the program. We're grateful for your participation and over there and the fact that you come to us uh, from your and Lisa's house. And I throw that thankfulness back at you guys. It's always great to, you know, get together after a long, uh, thankful weekend and uh, give more thanks to the situation Mm -hmm. at hand. Mm -hmm. Now we're just hunkering down, counting off the days until we can go to sunnier and warmer climes. Yeah, I'm... uh, 21 days away oh lucky you yes were you at your countdown clock fred you know i haven't even started it because it really doesn't happen till uh, the end of uh, january oh so you many, st- you're staying uh, in the fall you you you, you i haven't planned anything for the fall yet i uh, never say never you know but oh. uh you know so far no i uh, mentioned you last night at dinner uh because uh, ex uh, sister-in-law linda she is talking about she was talking about cabaretta Oh, was she really? Loves it. Yeah. yeah. Just loves it. Mm-hmm. Talked about it. And I said, well, that's where the Fred man, that's where he's uh, holed up for the winter. Mm-hmm. And um, just, they just, just talked about how beautiful it is. And there's like kite surfing there. That might be, if my arms were better, because one of my, I'm my uh, right elbow is so fucking sore. But I was one of those things, Dan, a couple of years ago, not so long ago, I was on a beach in Mexico with uh, ex-girlfriend, Rachel, ex-GFR, watching a guy around my age learning to kite surf because I already know how to um, snowboard and and uh, wakeboard. So I, I and I that's something I th- could get my head around. And sailboard, you've done that. Um, yeah, but the sur- I win, used to windsurf for sure. Yeah, but I watched this guy, and then I went over to the the guy that was doing the instruction, and it, it sort of talked about how long it takes to learn and how expensive it is. It's about a six to eight hour process, and it costs a thousand dollars. And I don't know that I want to that much but it's one of those things i kind of looked at and i thought "Mm, i could see that i could see myself doing that wow wouldn't wouldn't the gear cost you you just rent it you just rent it still if you're gonna buy it yeah yeah if you got it totally into it yeah but um yeah the cabaretta that's where you go in the the dominican by the way speaking of travel when should we schedule cabarete when should we schedule the return of the aging with energy show everybody is still wondering when we're going to do another episode we should probably knock off a couple before i go away oh absolutely maybe this week or planned for uh next week yes yeah let's do that 
do a few. Yes, yeah, so, mm-hmm. no, let's, I think let's we plan for next Thursday. Yep. Okay. Like a week. You discuss from some of your yeah. Okay. Some of your Canadian travels keep it uh, more local. As it you know what? I, that's a great point, Dan. I just came back from my very first visit to St. John, New Brunswick, and I can tell you, it, it's. I wish I had gone there sooner. It's just beautiful. We could do a Canadian. Fred, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Canada travel. Yes, we could do some of that. Yes, uh, we just, we just I've, got, to, uh, I've got a few things in my bag of tricks. Sure, we just need to pump out some episodes, baby. Yeah. Um, all right, Dan. Great Eppies. Call. I call them Eppies. You <laughs> do, do you? Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Could you call them Eppies on your own time? <laughs> Here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, 4-on-1, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. For contests and comments, we read all of our emails, so Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Tell us what you think. We'd really like to hear from you. And also, tell other people, too. Liking and subscribing helps us out and writing a review. So, you know, get out there. Say some stuff that's nice about us. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember... Every day that you eat a Thanksgiving turkey dinner leftover, just keep giving thanks. There's no hangover of thankfulness, and it'll help you to enjoy every goddamn day. 